yeah, that only took 12 years for me to do. Um, <laughs> it was was a long road, but I'm, I'm grateful. Um, I feel very privileged this morning to be able to speak to you on this topic, very humbled. Um, the topic is spirit-filled and spirit-led. When I became a Christian, I had no idea who the Holy Spirit was. And um, as part of my time today, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my own journey of how that changed for me. For some of you, this teaching is going to be like Holy Spirit 101. But I think we can all use a refresher from time to time. Jesus told us that when it comes to the kingdom of God, we are to be like little children. And in Revelation, he tells us, return to your first love. So, this is where we are today. I'm going to go back to the beginning. I get the honor, I feel, of reintroducing the Holy Spirit to you, and I don't take that responsibility lightly. Across the world, a large percentage of the Earth's population grows up very aware of the spiritual realm. Here are a few examples that I know about. In Belize, where Pastor Jesse and I are from, obia is commonplace. You might know it as voodoo or black magic. I lived across the street from an obia man for quite a few years, and I was always amazed at the constant train of visitors going into and leaving that house. There is an awareness in our country of origin that there is more to life than meets the eye. It is not unheard of for there to be stories of demon possession in our news. Most people can recount a personal experience or story that crossed the threshold from being logical and physical to being supernatural and without explanation. I'm presently reading an autobiography about the nomads of Somalia. The author speaks about the supernatural as a regular part of their daily lives. Often when Karen Grubbs, or a missionary in Uganda, will ask us to pray, she asks us to pray against the witchcraft and superstitious beliefs of the people they're trying to reach with the good news of Jesus. Jesse and I visited a friend in Mexico City a few years ago. We walked into the apartment, and right next to the doorway was an altar to a spirit of Santeria. In many cultures, a new mother will put a bracelet of red beads or seeds on their baby's wrists to ward off the evil eye or negative energy. And so if you ever see that, you, know, you now know what that means. Many of us, when we hear these examples of the supernatural, tend to think how backward all these people are to believe such things. We are taught the spiritual realm isn't real, and the world is only made up of what is tangible and visible. We may believe that any modern thinker should not give any weight to the spiritual realm because humans have evolved away from that thinking. And then somewhere on the spectrum between these two extreme beliefs is the growing appeal of entertainment that is spiritual in nature, but denies that it actually is. Books, movies, and TV shows have given us characters that many of us have grown to love, myself included. For example, Casper <laughs> is a friendly ghost, but he isn't real. Vampires will drain your life's blood under the cover of darkness, but these are just stories, right? 
good witches and wizards light up our imaginations and are the heroes and heroines of blockbuster books and movies, even as real witchcraft continues its silent growth and impact worldwide. Fortune tellers are dismissed as harmless and show up nonchalantly in our entertainment choices. Astrology is found everywhere, supposedly giving us insights into our personalities and futures. And the Ouija board is just another board game. It's as if deep down somehow we know that there is a spiritual realm, but we want to dictate how it operates, or we think that it can't touch us. Elisha, the Old Testament prophet who lived around 800 B.C., knew that we live in a physical and spiritual world. In 2 Kings 6, an army with horses and chariots had come to capture him, and it encircled the city. Elisha's attendant was scared, and so he cried out, just as we would. He said, what shall we do? Elisha answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul knew about this too. In his letter to the Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 12, he wrote, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So today, these are the questions I hope to briefly answer in our time. Who is the Holy Spirit? What role does he play anymore, and do we still need him? And what does it mean to be spirit-filled and spirit-led in our lives? All the different things that I learned about the Holy Spirit when I was growing up were so confusing and conflicting, and yet it never occurred to me that I could go to the Bible and do the research for myself. That's where all the answers I needed were. Looking back, I think I didn't want those answers badly enough. The place I lived in when I got saved was very remote. Some of you have heard me talk about this. It had a gravel driveway five to ten minutes off the highway, depending on your speed and road conditions. Howler monkeys hung out in the, in the canopy of the trees on and around the property. Steep hills surrounded us. And a strong river was one of our borders. Everything in that place was new for me. And it was like that for the American and Canadian missionaries who ran a primary school and other ministries in that rainforest setting. They always talked about the Holy Spirit. I knew about God, the Father, and Jesus, and wondered who the Holy Spirit was. I had a lot of questions. The missionaries were willing to teach me as they knew, and I listened. At the same time, I struck up friendships with some other women who were into the Holy Spirit as well. But unfortunately, they had what felt to me like a disrespectful attitude towards the Holy Spirit, like he was a genie in a lamp and They could rub him one day and tell him what to do, how to do it. And they wanted to draw me into their circle. So I had these two opposing forces, but it was the persistence of these women that drove me to do the research for myself finally. 
I went to the Bible to find out what it has to say about this person of the Trinity that I knew nothing about except what I had heard from a few people and from religion. In that beautiful, quiet, remote place where I lived for five years, I dug into the Old and New Testaments Testaments, and saw the Holy Spirit everywhere. It was very liberating to find out that the Holy Spirit is actually a helper. And I leaned on him heavily. I remember sitting in my car one day at the local airstrip with my open physical Bible on my lap. While I waited for a flight to come in, I was on the phone with these friends debating about the Holy Spirit. I read to them from 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. Because even though I was still a new Christian, I knew where to go for the truth. And they couldn't trick me anymore into believing something that went contrary to what I could see there in black and white. So I'm going to use scripture, a lot of scripture today, because that is the basis for everything I'm going to share today regarding the spirit-filled, spirit-led life. The first thing I learned about the Holy Spirit, don't, don't shame me. The first thing was that he is not an it. He is a he. That was a totally new concept to me. Like, it changed my perspective. He is a person of the Trinity. He is the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.11 says, For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the spirit of God. Acknowledging this is the start of understanding the personhood of the Holy Spirit. When our brain makes the shift of thinking about him as it to thinking of him as he, we can begin to embrace who he really is. Then I found out that the Holy Spirit was at the creation. I mean, I was excited. Many of us know those first few verses of the book of John, where John begins with the description of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Jesus, the Son of God, was with God at the beginning in the creation. We know that from reading John chapter 1. But so was the Spirit of God. Of the over 31,000 verses in the Bible, the Holy Spirit first shows up in verse 2. Genesis 1-2 says, The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. A bit later in the story, in verse 26, we read, Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the whole Trinity was at creation. The introduction of the Holy Spirit so early in this compilation of books called the Bible seems to highlight the point that I started with, that life is more than what is visible and tangible. The Holy Spirit is then mentioned in the Old Testament as being given to judges and kings, leaders, and prophets. However, one of my favorite ways he shows up is in the building of the tabernacle. 
God gives Moses exact directions down to the most minute detail of every aspect of the design and architecture of the tabernacle. And then God fills people with his spirit to work on the interior design of the tabernacle. Exodus 35, 30 to 35 says, Then Moses said to the sons of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all craftsmanship, to make designs for working in gold and in silver and in bronze, and in the cutting of stones for settings, and in the carving of wood, so as to perform in every inventive work. He also has put in his heart to teach both he and Oholiab, the son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to perform every work of an engraver and of a designer of an embroiderer in blue and in purple and in scarlet material and in fine linen and of a weaver as performers of every work and makers of designs. I get goosebumps when I read that. The Spirit of God filled different kinds of creatives with the necessary skill to build his tabernacle. But they were also filled with some gifts of the Spirit that we hear about more in the New Testament. Wisdom, knowledge, and teaching. I don't know about you. That's exciting to me. And then as we move on to the New Testament, before the Holy Spirit became available for all believers, Jesus had to prepare us for what was to come. A couple of weeks ago at our women's life group study on the names of the Holy Spirit, our sister Linda Black pointed out how seamlessly Jesus seemed to pass on the baton to the Holy Spirit when he left this earth. And that is so true. According to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is not a nebulous spiritual being far out of our reach or understanding. Jesus gave a lengthy teaching on who the Holy Spirit is to us and outlined some roles the Spirit plays in our lives. First of all, he's our helper, and some translations will say he's our comforter. John chapter 16, verse 7. Jesus said, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. That's one of his roles. John 16, 13 to 15 says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. A spirit-filled, spirit-led life starts with a desire for the Holy Spirit. This desire for the Holy Spirit is conceived in us when we know we want more of God in our lives. We want to be better people, more powerful in our Christian walk, but realize we can't do it in our own strength. We know we need the helper. So how do we tap into his help? Jesus said simply that if we want the Holy Spirit, we have to ask the Father. And he will give us the Holy Spirit. In Luke 11, 11 to 13, Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father 
Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. The Holy Spirit is the one who draws us to salvation. And when someone is born again, God, the Holy Spirit, comes to live inside of them. Speaking about salvation, Jesus says in John 3, 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. After a person is born again, when they so desire, Jesus baptizes them in the Holy Spirit. And they are then immersed in and filled with the power of the Spirit. In Matthew 3:11, John the Baptist explained it this way to his followers. He says, As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. Baptism in the Holy Spirit brings the infusion of power needed for life and service. This infilling of the Holy Spirit comes with spiritual gifts that are to be used to minister to others and to help win the lost to Jesus. The baptism in the Holy Spirit comes with such experiences as an overflowing fullness of the Spirit, a deepened reverence for God, an intensified consecration to God and dedication to his work, a deeper awareness and operation of the gifts of the Spirit, a more active love for Christ, for his word, and the lost. And speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives utterance. Now when Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit, he did not set a limit on who could ask for the Holy Spirit. This baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire that Jesus spoke about is open to all believers of all time. The Apostle Paul was an active evangelist of his Holy Spirit message. In Acts 19, he came across some believers in Ephesus and asked them if they had had the Holy Spirit experience. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. God has made it so easy for us to access the Holy Spirit. We just have to ask him. Over the centuries, some have used the name of the Holy Spirit for selfish purposes. And you may have experienced some things in the name of the Holy Spirit that were not good and were actually potentially damaging. If that has been your experience, I want to tell you that I'm sorry that happened to you because that is not the way it was set up to be. The use and message of the gifts of the Spirit should always, always line up with the Word of God, the Bible. When we are filled with the Spirit, the inner spiritual work of being led by the Spirit of God will be visible on the outside in at least these three ways. The Spirit-filled, Spirit-led life is one of purpose. The Spirit gives gifts for the building up of the church of God through the instruction of believers and the winning of the lost. They are not for us to hold on to and use only for ourselves. All believers, full of the Holy Spirit, can move and minister to others through the gifts. 
1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 11 discusses some of these gifts. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works in all things and all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Secondly, the Spirit-filled, Spirit-led life is one of increasing integrity. As the Spirit of truth, he convicts us to ensure that increasingly the life we live on the outside is also the one we live on the inside. That does not happen overnight. When he shows us something that needs to change, we have the choice whether or not to obey him in that area. Choosing to obey the Lord in one challenging area and sticking to it causes future obedience to become easier. It's like training a muscle. Other situations will happen in our lives that will seem difficult to obey God in. Still, as we see how God honors our obedience, how faithful he is, and that his plans for us are good, being obedient to the Holy Spirit's conviction and relying on him to help us through causes obeying to be less difficult. And the good thing is we can even ask him to help us be obedient, knowing that what he's asked us to do is for our own good. The Holy Spirit helps us become people of integrity if we let him lead us. This is not work that we do alone. It's cooperative between the Holy Spirit and us. It's walking in obedience, committing daily to living by the Spirit. And the Spirit-filled, Spirit-led life is one of spiritual growth. Later on in this uh, Living Empowered Daily series, we will speak more about the fruit of the Spirit. So I will only touch on it briefly here. The longer we walk by the Spirit, the more evidence of this fruit we will bear. And we read about it in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And I would also venture to say there is no season. It's always in season, the fruit of the Spirit. Whatever we're going through, God has promised us his spirit to help us through it. Isn't it wonderful and amazing that not only did he provide us with a way to be saved, but that he also continues to provide a way for us to stay on the path of righteousness, to continue to change and grow into the people he wants us to be, and to help each other along the way as we mature. Zechariah 4, 6 says, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. He sent us on a mission and provided the helper we needed to get things done. Indeed, he is a good, good father. 
My friends, the spiritual realm is real. And God has provided a healthy, beautiful, and powerful way for us to thrive in it. We can't see it with our eyes or touch it with our fingers, but we can live in it forcefully and confidently with the help of the Holy Spirit. As we leave here today, I want to give you a few applications that you can use to broaden your understanding of the Holy Spirit for yourself. The first one is to self-feed, just like I did. If God could meet me in the solitude of Forest Home, Toledo, Belize, Central America, he can reach anyone, anywhere. When those women I hung out with as a young Christian wanted to give me Holy Spirit theology that didn't sound like the God of the Bible, my desire for the truth made me turn to the Bible to find out who the Holy Spirit is. And that is something you can do too. Never be afraid to search out any topic in the Bible for yourself. The Bible is for all of us. The Holy Spirit is for all of us. And there are so many tools at our disposal for to learn more about the Holy Spirit. Books, Bible plans, the Bible itself. If you desire to learn more about the Holy Spirit, you don't have to wait for anyone to come alongside you to do it. You can do the research for yourself. And even in this, you can pray. Holy Spirit, teach me who you are. Secondly, it is very timely that our women's and men's life groups that meet here on Thursday nights are going through a study of the Holy Spirit. It'll be going on for a few more weeks, so you can show up here on Thursday nights at 6 if you want fellowship and snacks. The actual study starts at 6.30 and runs for about an hour. That's a way to self-feed. And finally, we want to give you an opportunity today to ask the Holy Spirit to be more present in your life. Whether it's to be baptized for the first time or for a refilling, we want to allow you to have someone to pray with you and agree with you for an infilling of the Holy Spirit in your life. Throughout the book of Acts, the documentation of what it was like in the early church, we see that people prayed for each other to receive the Holy Spirit. For example, in Acts 8, 14 to 18, Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. If you have even the tiniest interest in who the Holy Spirit is, If you're tired of trying to maneuver this Christian walk on your own, if you want to be a part of building up the body of believers, if you want to see more of the fruit of the Spirit in your life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, if you want to be more a faithful steward to the gifts the Spirit has already given you. If you find that you want to be more Spirit-filled and Spirit-led, I want to invite you to come forward and let someone uh, pray for that for you. Um, Pastor Dan, Pastor Mary, Pastor Laura, Pastor Jesse, Grace, the prayer team. We have so many people who are willing to pray for you. The Spirit-filled 
spirit-led life starts with your desire for it. So will you come, ask, seek, knock, knowing that the Father has already promised to give the Holy Spirit to any who will ask. Because if you then know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him?